Hello, everyone. So today we are exploring the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society today. Or, or as I lovingly call it, the Potato Book Club movie. I mean, that's it's a much it's a much easier way. Like, lit- I'm not gonna lie. When I was trying to find the movie, that's literally what I typed in Netflix. And God bless them, they actually knew what the fuck I was talking about. I think like if you just call it like the b- potato peel pie society, like you find yeah. it. Which um, you just typed. To p- I typed potato and just searched it in Netflix, and this came up. Okay, so we're actually doing something a little bit different that I we haven't done before. I don't think. I don't know. What are we doing? I love this it. podcast is just me showing up and Dawn actually knowing what's happening. And I'm just like, oh, is that what we do now? Oh, okay. So this book, I believe, I want to say it came out around like 2007, 2008, was really mm-hmm. popular back then. I think I read it around like 20, 2009, like 2010, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big fan of the book. I have my own copy with me that you can probably hear me rustling in the background. Thanks, microphone. Great job. ASMR. Just turning pages. And then I believe, I think it was like 2017 it got turned into a movie. Yes, yeah, so it's based on, so the, it's, I think it's a Netflix original movie is what it looked like. Okay. Um, so it's based on the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Society, um, which is a historical novel by Mary Ann Schaefer and Anne Burroughs that was published in 2008. So I I looked up this book a little bit. I haven't read the book, but Dawn has. I thought it was really interesting because Marianne Schaefer was inspired by a trip she took to Guernsey. Um, and she they have a lot of stuff that's dedicated to the World War II occupation, uh, which, of course, we're going to be talking about a little bit. But then she died um, right after she got the publishing deal, but before she could make any edits. So they had, like, either, I think it was, like, her friend's daughter or like her sister's daughter or something like that Annie Burroughs who was already an established like children's author come in and edit it which is why it's co-authored but it's technically not it's yeah it wasn't like it wasn't good omens Terry Pratchett style Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman style Mm co-authoring um however or Will Grayson Will Grayson which is the I believe it's David Levithan and John Green that did that one um, no, mm-hmm. but this one is, like, it was a aunt and niece duo that, mm-hmm. like, yeah, she kind of stepped in, and even in the acknowledgments, uh, Marianne Schaefer writes, I must tender special thanks to my niece Annie, who stepped in to finish this, bu- finish this book when a- unexpected health issues interrupted my ability to work shortly after mm-hmm. the manuscript was sold. So it's, like, yep. she did most of it, but, like, as anyone who has ever kind of, like either been really big into media or like actually works in media knows everything is in the editing so I think yep. Annie Barrows also deserves the credit um, and both the book and the movie they take a little bit it's an interesting look it's so it's a little glimpse into this very like niche part of history where there was yeah. like this these two islands that in England that were actually occupied by Germany and yeah. during World War Two, mm-hmm. yeah, I didn't know about that until I watched the movie, and then I looked it up. And actually, if you Google Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Society, one of the like first couple of pages that pops up is the Guernsey tourism page. They have a whole thing that's dedicated to what's true and what's not true in this movie and uh, the book, obviously as well. 
so I thought that was really cool. One day we should do a tour of Guernsey, like yeah. the, the the potato club tour. <laughs> I feel like half of um, I feel like half of Guernsey loves loves the fact that their island gets attention, and then the other <laughs> half hates it because and it's probably like living in New Zealand after Lord of the Rings, or um, living in. Gander, Nova Scotia after Come From Away came out, where it's like, we moved mm-hmm. here because it was small, and it was an <laughs> island, and no one would find us. That's why mm-hmm. we moved here. <laughs> exactly. That's 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 what we like. We like the fact that no one knows who we are. <laughs> but it's like this very like niche little pocket of history, and in it, like there's just like this zany world of characters, which, uh, if you're a listener of the podcast, you know that I'm probably, that I'm obsessed with the kind of the village, the villagers of the yeah. everywhere. Um, and then there's these dual romances, and it definitely borrows, I believe it borrows a little bit from Daphne du Maurier's Rebecca, in the sense mm. that one of the main characters you never actually meet. And then, like, there's this romance between a writer who was not there during the occupation, and, a, mm-hmm. like, the other main character is essentially this outsider who also moved to Guernsey, but during the occupation. Uh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know if they meant... I think... I, like, watched the movie, but I mostly paid... I think I watched the movie, like, two weeks ago, but then I, like, dove back into the book. I so watched I don't, the movie a couple of days ago. Yeah. So I think... I don't remember them mentioning that um, Kit, like, was... Um, In existence. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so, Colleen, what... what all right, what do you have to say about the movie? Um, so I really liked the movie. Like I said, I haven't read the book. Now I know what it feels like when we have guests who don't know a lot about Jane Austen, but like they watched a movie with us or whatever, and they come on and they're like, um, I thought it was really good. I don't really know how to talk about the book, but, um, I think I would have really liked the movie if, even if I didn't think it was connected to Pride and Prejudice, but I thought it was a really interesting deconstruction of Pride and Prejudice. I wouldn't call it a retelling because, I mean, there was a... If it, I, I can't speak to the book. From what I understand, the book is more faithful to actual Pride and Prejudice. Like, you have the two uh, proposals in Pride and Prejudice... In, um, not Pride and Prejudice. Um, in the book, but you only have the one proposal and then the rejection, which we'll talk more about um, in a little bit. So, I really, I really liked the movie. So, this is the Netflix description. And John, you can tell me if you think this is accurate for the book and or the movie. A London writer bonds with the colorful residents of Guernsey as she learns about the book club they formed during the World War II German occupation. Would you say that sounds about right? I feel like it skips over a lot, but I... Well, it's... It's one of those, like, they're not wrong. (laughs) Just like, like you're technically correct, but just like all of those memes where it's like, oh, like Pride and Prejudice is just rich people going to other rich people's houses. Like, okay, you're not wrong, but <laughs> yeah, like you're not technically wrong, but you're missing a lot. Yeah. Okay. So what we're actually kind of doing today is we're kind of comparing. We're like, I guess we're kind of comparing the book and the movie, but in a nuanced way. Where I where. Colleen is more versed in the movie at this point because yes. I watched it like two two weeks ago, and then I'm actually more versed in the book right now because I just read it. Mm. I think yeah, I think I actually just finished like last night, and I was like, oh, nice. And comparing it to each other, so the book is actually in a. I personally think that the book. I'm a little bit 
I would not consider it an a strict adaptation in the sense that you can tell mm-hmm. that it's completely influenced by Austin as well as some other writers. Mm-hmm. And then what's kind of funny is because the main story fa- focuses on these like group of villagers who first they got together because of a because of like they were able to sneak in some pork a pork dinner mm-hmm. when like rations yeah. were nothing oh my gosh in that movie in the movie so in the movie um they get together you can tell me if this is true for the book too they all get together because the germans um invaded guernsey all the kids were evacuated and everything so all these people were honestly like really broken up about everything that was happening to them and um the germans were, soldiers were coming into the farms and they were taking all the livestock and then we're like okay you you're gonna grow potatoes but apparently one woman somehow saved like a pig as in like in the movie it was a live pig like she somehow hid it from the nazis who were known for being very thorough and I, I personally found that a little hard to believe, but I was like, all right, it's a movie, like, whatever. So then they all get together and have, like, a really nice pig dinner because they were all isolated um, because they weren't allowed to go see people. Um, what's that like? <laughs> Not being allowed to see people and feeling isolated. This book may actually be a very lovely read this time as a heads up right oh my god but apparently the um the germans also like cut the phone lines like so they couldn't talk to people anybody who was off the island or at least i think that's what they said they were literally occupied by nazis like yeah it was full fascism in place and it was did not play no they didn't which i believe is the true part of the book so it's um elizabeth mckenna who is an outsider that only like moved to guernsey like a few months before yeah in the movie she was visiting her friend because her friend was about to have a baby her friend jane yeah i wonder where they got that name from yeah um and essentially like they have like this like roast pig dinner and then they get drunk Mm -hmm. They get, like, drunk because they're celebrating and, like, they haven't eaten anything. They got caught by the Germans and it was like, um, we were having a book club meeting. (laughs) Yeah, they were like, we were having a, um, um, so this happens in the first scene of the movie where they're like, um, we were having a, um, um, a, a meeting, a, a book club. It is a literary society and, um, we ate potato peel pies, too. So, the potato peel pie is essentially one of those, like, starvation dishes that I would never mm-hmm. want to try. Um, yeah. Where it's, like, they're just trying to physically use every single scrap of food. Like, there's, mm-hmm. I feel like in, there's a lot of, cult, like, I think every single culture has, or, like, every single hard time has those, like, starvation meals. Like, Ritz cracker, apple pie, or... Yeah, those struggle meals. Um, I know in Cuba, I think it was big, like, the pith steak, where they would take, mm-hmm. like, the pith of, the of like, the grapefruit or the orange and try to fry it up like it was a piece of steak. So this was that. It's basically just, like, literally potato peels. Also, it's cold because you can't... You don't want to <laughs> use up the coal. Yeah. And it's awful. Um, it sounds just terrible. And, like, you're probably thinking, oh, just add a little bit of salt or a little something-something. They had but nothing. No, they had nothing. They had no sugar. They had no flour. Remember when there was a shortage on flour during the pandemic? I think I still have the pictures, like, saved on a file on my laptop, and, yeah, the, I remember the only mm. flour that I was able to get, I'm a big, ba- I'm a big hobby baker, by the way, mm-hmm. um, yeah, me too. is I was able to get, like, bleached whole wheat flour, so it was, like, 
the flower that no one wanted was the only kind that I could actually get. And I was able to get a pound of it. And I got like the nice. last bag. And it was from the fancy, it was like from a fancy grocery store that no one was <laughs> rating. And the uh, rate, yeah, I was going to crazy. Fairway, which is New York classic, but like basically because classic. no one, it's Fairway's known for being like a whole, if you're not from, if you don't know the New York area or haven't seen a Woody Allen movie, Fairway is essentially New York's own version of Whole Foods, even though Whole Foods has taken over New York City a little bit. Um, yeah, pretty much. And, like, no one was going to those because, like, they are usually, they're known for being so expensive and people just wanted to get as much food as possible. But, yeah. uh, Like, yeah, it is definitely, this is definitely one of those books where either it's maybe a little bit too close to when, like, the quarantine time or you're going to relate to it more because of it. Yeah, like, it was, it was weirdly relatable to be like, oh, yeah, remember when we couldn't get salt for, like, three months or sugar, sugar was another one. I remember you couldn't get soy sauce anywhere. Soy sauce was so hard. That was so weird. It was like, what, why soy sauce? Like, flour kind of made sense because, like, you can bake with it and stuff. Like, it's more versatile. You use flour for everything. Yeah, you use flour for everything. And I was like, are are people just ordering a lot more Chinese food lately? Like, why, why do you have soy sauce? Why, why is there soy sauce? Which is funny because there's like there's this epidemic <clears throat> like there's this epidemic going on on top of the actual pandemic where mm-hmm. all of these like anti Asian crimes are happening and it's yeah. terrible. Mm-hmm. So that's basically the basis of it. They create this potato this they create this book club and they relate to it through the book. It, they yeah. relate to each other through books and basically they have to convince so it started off as they had to convince the Germans that this book club was a real thing yeah so then they were like okay I guess we're just gonna keep meeting up now yeah and like there's this one character who he reads the same book over and over oh. and over again and he's just like I love it that much I always want to talk about it and everyone's like no stop <laughs> make it stop like it's yeah. it's very charming in that way and because like so it takes place around like 1945 so there's like a lot of nods to things like I believe like mm-hmm. there's a nod to Miss Marple because there's this like one character that's yes. obsessed with Agatha Christie and like Miss Marple <laughs> um, so the novel is actually structured in a really cool way in the sense that it's an epistolary novel so yes I'm not a sucker all- for strange narrative structure so I really <laughs> want to read that book and I really they kind of um, they do a lot of like different flashbacks type of stuff in the movie, which I thought was a good like nod because it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to do something like that for film. Mm-hmm. And then in addition to like just like the not, so you're getting different. Sometimes you even get the story from different perspectives, which is pretty mm. cool to me. And they because they relate a lot of things through the books. Like you get to hear their voices and like see what they do, oh. as well as um, you have like. There's different telegrams in there, and like you kind of get snippets of like old memories of some of like their past lives. And in addition, um, at the end, there's actually like the character Zola that's a little bit obsessed with uh, Miss Marple. She like actually writes down he detect. I'm I'm reading out from the book right now. It's on page two sixty three. If you guys have the book and want to look it up, detection notes of Mrs. Zola Pribby, private, not to be read even after death. And it's like <laughs> it's just oh so charming. God. That's mm-hmm. so cute. I love yeah. that. And so the way that the novel starts off is that the writer, um, Julie, 
is she actually wrote under a pseudonym as Miss Ick Izzy Bickerstaff, and she was essentially like this comedian writer during the occupation mm-hmm. and was able to make light of things. And so they gathered all of her newspaper columns into a book, and she's doing a book tour, and everyone loves it because like that was some of the few stuff that kept her happy. But she and mm-hmm. she's moving on to her next project, yeah, uh, an old book that she sold a while ago. Yeah, it was yeah. a biography on Anne Bronte. And then she talks about it a little bit. The Anne Bronte, you know, the Bronte sister you never hear about. Well, really? Wait, that's what it was in the movie? Yeah, that's what it was, Anne Bronte. Oh, because it was Charles Lamb in the book. Oh, well, they mentioned Charles... Oh, okay. No, I, I thought you meant, like, the first book that she published. So the first book that she published was, like, a... Uh, no, was a biography okay. on Anne Bronte. Anne Bronte. But um, Dossie, so but yeah, our, okay, so yeah, so she literally sold a book of Charles Lamb, but she like had written her address in it. Yeah, so she like stamped her book with her address and contact information in a book. Then she ended up having to sell the book, which ended mm-hmm. up over on Guernsey through various secondhand means, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. You know what? You um, put a book out in the world. That's what happens. Well, you sell a book through secondhand means, and they just they travel everywhere. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. But they like. Yeah, through secondhand means, like, this pig farmer from Guernsey writes to her saying, like, hi, like, I'm trying to find, like, it's been so hard to get supplies out to Guernsey. Is like, I saw your address in London. Is there any way that you could get me another Charles Lamb book? I really love his essays as well as, like, oh, his thing, like, I know he has, like, a thing about, like, a pig dinner and, like, I'm a pig farmer and my book club became about because of a pig dinner and instantly, Mm -hmm. like... The writer Julie, who is a little bit eccentric, was just like, You yes. need to tell me. I was like, Sure, I'll get you the book. It's fine. But can you tell me about this pig dinner you were talking about? And I have so many questions, <laughs> which is actually kind of fair. Mm-hmm. Um, and so basically, all of these like beautiful little stories come up, and most of the stories surround Elizabeth McKenna, who came to Guernsey mm-hmm. to help out a friend, and then like she was only supposed to be there like a month or two, maybe three months. And then. And then German, the German occupation hit, and everything she, changed when the Fire Nation attacked. I mean, but like literally. actually, <laughs> well, it's so funny because they use like I mean, I'm pretty sure like I can't quote this because I haven't actually looked at the concept of Avatar: The Last Air- Airbender, but I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. like just like Star Wars, like stole from like the the dark the Empire stole from Nazi Germany, like oh yeah, and like I mean like the Fire Nation is colonialism mixed with Nazis mm-hmm. in Avatar: The Last Airbender. I mean, it's they if, had, like, concentration Eng- camps at some point. Like, yeah. It's if England and Nazi... It's if most... It's, it's, it's as if England... It's and- white people <laughs> being terrible. That's what it is. And you know what? It's completely fair. Okay. Avatar... We're not talking about Avatar. <laughs> but this is not the point of that podcast. Um, yeah. And so, so everything changed when the Nazis attacked. Okay. And so Elizabeth McKenna is, like, someone who's also very strong-willed, outspoken, a bit non-traditional in the sense, and she ends up, like, helping out a lot of people and trying to help these people survive. And we Who essentially hear her... Like? She is essentially, we essentially hear her story through the others around her. And mm-hmm. Julie, the writer, ends up becoming, like, obsessed with all of these stories. And, like, Elizabeth, and she's like, I wish I could meet her, I wish I could meet her. And it's like, well, she was taken away. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like that, yeah. like... It has that kind of Rebecca feel, where in the sense, like, mm-hmm. not, like, in the doom, doomy way, but, like, in the sense of, like, yeah. you want to meet her, too, and because, like, you're reading, you're, like, reading it through these letters, you're like, I want to hear Elizabeth talk, like, it's yep. not, and then, 
It's not talking about it. Oh, wow. That's very different from the movie. Because, like, I mean, in the movie, you literally see, like, shots of Elizabeth. But, like, you never get to have, like, a scene with just her where it's only her talking and telling yeah. her story. Yeah. Hey, it's mm-hmm. really interesting. And meanwhile, um, the pig farmer, whose name is Dossie. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. And yeah. truly end up also, like, falling in, like, end up, like, developing feelings for each other, and there's, like, a miscommunication, there's definitely miscommunications between each other. Mm-hmm. Um, this was, like, every Tumblr girl's dream, to fall in love with someone who wrote you letters about books that you love. Oh, totally. Well, and, like, this was, like, a few, I think this was, like, a few years before Tumblr became really big, like... <laughs> okay, um, I'm not saying that this sparked Tumblr's creation slash um, big dealness. However, I'm just saying there's a correlation here. I you know, no, this totally is like someone like a Tumblr girl's dream. But yeah, it's really interesting, and like some of like the stories are like just so beautiful in the sense like there's this one mm. about like you need to know about what happened to all of like. There's this one person who's an animal lover that, like, writes to Julie that says, like, mm. here's all of the stories that happened. However, I, like, yes, what, like, what they did to the people is awful, but I need to tell you the horrors that Guernsey did to their animals where, like, I guess they, like, shipped the animals off. Mm. Or, like, the animals were just basically all slaughtered. Mm. Like cats, dogs, all of like that stuff. Oh my god! Yeah, or like Jeez. I think they like shipped them off to the mainland, like never to know what happened to them or like drowned them, mm. which is just like yes. But okay, my way, like I really think this is kind of like a story that's inspired because it's about like these two women that are mm-hmm. like they're almost parallel to each other, just kind of like oh yeah, one hundred percent. Like, all right, the tropes. Let's see if we can talk about some of the stuff that we found. That was definitely in spot like Jane Austen esque, if not oh, yeah. directly inspired, but definitely follows in her footsteps as an mm-hmm. evolution or as an inspiration. So I think yeah. part of it is the parallels between Elizabeth McKenna and Julie mm-hmm. is very yeah, similar. I agree to the, with that. Is the very similar to what we see kind of in Emma with the two sisters and not not sorry not Emma and Harriet, but like Marianne. In Sense and Sensibility, our two sisters, Marianne mm-hmm. and I haven't read Sense and Sensibility yet. So Oh really? Oh my gosh. No, you lo- ever, yeah. You're so into sisterly love, you're gonna love it. <laughs> Yay, I'm excited. You're very into sisterly love. I love stories that are actually about like True not sisters. Ro- not romantic. Just like not romantic love. Yeah. Just cause like every everyone, why is Colleen so bitter? But it's so overdone, romantic love. Like, I get it. Like, even in this movie a little bit, I was like, okay, so, like, the guy that's writing her letters and her are going to fall in love, obviously. I felt so bad for the boyfriend. So, in the movie, the boy, um, Julia has a boyfriend. He's an American who is, like, I guess stationed in Britain for some reason. They don't really go into details. And he's a very wealthy person. And um, so oh, he's plays by James Marsden in the movie, right? Yeah. Oh, right. I remember that because I rem- like I was as soon as like he came up on the movie, like I just remember being like, "That is a perfect casting." <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And he he was honestly like really charming. Like he, he was really nice. He was also super supportive of her. Um, he proposed to her. He proposed to her in the beginning of the movie, right before she left to go to Guernsey after writing letters back and forth with Dossie. 
um, just to like meet everybody and to like go to their book club. And he proposes to her, and he gives her this really elaborate, beautiful ring, but it's so not her style. And that's like. I mean, like, a proposal at the beginning of the movie after she's been talking to somebody else. Like, you know how it's gonna end. And it's not gonna go his way. She was a terrible fiancé. Like, objectively, she was terrible. She was a terrible fiancé. Like, she's a good person and everything. She did a lot of nice things for these people, but she was just particularly a bad fiancé. Like, she she didn't wear her wedding... Um, not her wedding ring. She didn't wear her engagement ring while she was in Guernsey, so that nobody knew she was engaged, and that's always just, like, a red flag. Yeah. And she also, like, she just wouldn't, she wouldn't call him back, and this was in the days before cell phones, guys, so, like, somebody would have to go and find her and be like, hey, some guy left a message for you, and then she just didn't return the call. Yes, but I think it was also, like, it clearly was in like they talk because there's a lot of discussions like within the book about like what 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 happened during the war and what is happening after the war and like people are trying to do mm-hmm. this whole return to normalcy thing of like after the war and it was kind of clear that in that time they clearly had her and her American boyfriend clearly had a very good um, wartime romance, I suppose, where like they needed I guess e- so, yeah. they needed each other during that rough time, but ultimately, mm-hmm. like after war was done, like they kind of grew apart. Just so, like how yeah. you often hear a lot about of like high school or college romances that like once like people graduate, they're just they just like never see each other yeah, again. It's and like it's, a whirlwind romance, but like they're yeah. not really in love. Yeah, where it's like okay, no, like I mean, I guess like you could like it was real. However, like. After that specific period period mm-hmm. of time, they move it. By the way, it was kind of like Diane oh. and Mr. Peanut Butter and but sorry to interrupt you. It was kind of like Diane and Mr. Peanut Butter and BoJack Horseman, where like Mr. Peanut Butter like always tried to do nice things, but he just never really got Diane. And it was kind of the same thing here, where like this guy, I forget what his name is, is it Mark or something. Sure, why not? Um, Mark, the American guy. Um, would, like, take her out to these really lavish, like, over-the-top parties, and she's the, she's the type of person who pets the cat at the party, so she was always, like, super, she was, she was pretty clearly uncomfortable at these things. Um, I think it's or more that having a good time. she would, like, talk to the waiter more than she would talk to the actual guest kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where it's just like, so how did you end up working working for this party? Yeah. <laughs> and like, like oh, tell me about your life. Yeah. Whereas like he's very like he was very he's a little bit more classist, I suppose. Like, darling, we're supposed to be talking to be these rich people that are here. Well, I mean, I, I kind of see where he would be coming from with that because it's pretty rude if you're at a party. Like it's one thing if nobody's talking to you or like you're alone at the table and you start chatting with the waiter, but it's the it's another thing when you just like ignore everybody else that's at the party to talk to to the waiter uh-huh. instead and ignore everybody else. I feel like Juliet was kind of like <sighs> I feel like she felt in the movie they they focus more on her feelings after the war and everything because she lost a lot of things during the war. Um, she lost her parents, she lost like half of her apartment was bombed. And then the rest of it collapsed while she was in, like, while she, like, came home I, in the movie. That was such a scary shot. That was such a scary scene, but I, I really liked that because that's how it happens when something traumatic like that ha- happens and you, like, have a moment that's familiar to it. 
where you just like have a flashback and you're like no no that's, that's not what's happening now that's not what's happening now yes yeah that scene like really got to me like and yeah. I think they did a really good job of that because like you mm-hmm. hear about like the bombing and how she saved like I think it was like a paperweight for that like used yeah, to be on her father's her, her desk dad's paperweight yeah and like everyone like always jokes about like oh you and that paperweight and she's like nope it's that's all I have left of my family like yep you're like this is literally everything uh-huh. to me Yep, and um, she also she she clearly feels guilty because I mean she became she she gained traction as a writer because of the war basically she mm-hmm. like her columns are what made her famous and like made her money and so you can see that she really does feel kind of bad because she indirectly profited off of a lot of suffering even though it, it even though it was like helping her cope and it was helping other people cope she just she felt like she didn't deserve any of the good things that she got well that and also like her humor which was needed at the time like it was kind of mm-hmm. this like dark-esque like humor about the nazi occupation of yeah, london humor. or like of like when london was being not london was not occupied by nazis but when like england was like being Being bombed bombed. yeah and she was just like oh like i have to she was so she just made all of this dark humor and like apparently like dossie came up so there's like a clip there's one of the letters is dossie is trying to ask like oh like i saw like i decided to read one of like your things and it's not really that funny to me can you explain this joke and she's like well it's not really funny now, but this is what it was going for. I can, I'm can, i not really proud of it, but that's just how we had to survive. And, like, he agrees with her in the sense of, no, nope, sometimes that's what you got to do to survive. Yeah, it's gallows humor. It's also kind of like, uh, like when things only work regionally. Like, do you remember that um, in Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, she, um, she's a New York-based comedian who goes to Las Vegas and she tells a bunch of New York jokes and nobody gets it. And it's, like, one of those things where it's, like, this is regional humor, but you don't realize it until you talk to somebody outside the region. You're yeah, like, like, oh, no, wait, that doesn't, that, that, that joke does not track at all. Yeah, like, you can't make jokes about the subway to people who have never been on a subway. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Or people who, like, live in a city that does not have any type of subway system. It yeah. so weirds me out because, like, right? I think so public trans—I feel like public transfer, like pr- transportation, is one of I think the coolest things ever. Right? Even like, if you don't use it, like, it's just cool to have it as an option. Well, like, I'm up until like the pandemic. Like, I was like a big like I always use public transit to get places, mm-hmm. and it's like. I don't know. Like, I think it's magical. Like, I, yeah, I think it's it great. Yeah, it's really cool. That, like, you just go into a tin can, you read a little bit, and then you're at mm-hmm. your destination. Yeah. Or, like, maybe you see some weird people doing stuff, and then yeah, you're doing always. stuff. Or always and doing if, weird stuff. And if you're a tourist, maybe you talk to someone. If you're a tourist. If you're, if you're not a tourist, you usually end up giving someone directions. Mm-hmm. Or helping them with their luggage. Not saying a word or, like, smiling or anything. You're like, oh, yeah, you take that train. Okay, bye. Yeah. Um, there's, like, this great, like, post that's, like, stuff about, like, oh, in New York, because we have so, so like, we have no physical space. Phys- mm-hmm. We don't have enough physical space. We, like, the reason why we close off is because we need the person, we need to create our own personal space. Yes, it's I need the mental of- space. Do not talk to me. It's kind of beautiful. But anyway, yeah, like, it's, like, the regional stuff that doesn't work. And, like, she's trying to escape. And so she's clearly, like, trying to escape it as well as, like, these people in Guernsey are trying to process and escape it. 
Um, mm-hmm. And, like, it's just beautiful in that sense. But what's kind of interesting is it's not really... It's almost, like, not... I kind of want to touch upon a little bit, like, kind of, like, the political trauma that, like, these people went through. But Jane Austen also went through political... Like, mm-hmm. tough political times. She was born at the start of when England, the most what was supposed to be the most powerful empire, lost one of its colonies, which, no... Mm. First of all, England should never have been colonizing. However, it all of a sudden became a laughingstock of the world. That like, yep. like <laughs> America revolted. America and yes, revolted. Yes, like no, they should have been called like a laughing. Like they, they like they should have been ridiculed because colonizing is terrible and awful and evil. But that could not have been easy for like could not have been easy. Their king was considered like was called Mad King George due to his mental illness. As, mm-hmm. And so they had to have a prince regent because their monarch was deemed unfit. And yep. then also the Napoleonic Wars <laughs> What's were going that on. like? Your political leader being unfit? What's that like? Except we know. didn't have a regent. This is not a political podcast. However. Except, <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you couldn't guess the fact that neither of us really were a big fan of the president that was before Joe Biden, then... Uh, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> I think we've given all the clear signs. Um, any, <laughs> like, we hate. We neither of us like Donald Trump. We hate Donald Trump. Like, yeah. Wait, but this again is not a political podcast. This yes. is not a political podcast. Okay, point we just is, have opinions. There was. Like, okay, there was a lot of hard... Like, Austin society was going through a lot of hard political changes. In addition, mm-hmm. like, we, like Austin's... Like, when Austin was, like, an adult, she started to see the beginnings of the Industrial Revolution, which, like, mm-hmm. changed the entire world. So there was all of this political, like, world stuff that totally affected Jane Austen. Yeah. And, like, you... But she always chooses to ignore it in her novels, whereas this and like Mm -hmm. she goes about talking about people's like everyday lives in other meanings like there's they don't like she doesn't talk about like the horrors of people losing their spouses to a war that they don't know if they believe in or anything, Mm -hmm. which is obviously not the case in World War Two, but it is the case. It definitely was the case in World War One as well as other wars. But Um, um, was the author of the Guernsey... um, the Guernsey Literature and Potato Peel Society. Was she an American author? Because, I mean, that's kind of a, um, a British convention is to just kind of ignore the unpleasant. I've noticed that just um, in keep like calm British and TV on. shows. Yeah, it, no, keep calm, carry on. Like, you, know, you notice that, especially when you watch different, like, British TV shows, you just pick up on that, or you read different um, books from around that time. So I wonder if she was just ignoring that because she's like... You can only talk about it so much, and she. So yes, this was written from the American perspective. So that's probably why, because I mean, in America. Meanwhile, in America, we just kind of hash things out as they come along. The amount of films made by white men about the Vietnam War are way too many to count. The Vietnam White men War. Need to stop. The way the Vietnam white War need was. To a, stop. Yes, we do. We do. It's, it's bad. It's the bad. Viet the Vietnam War was a horrible tragedy. Those men should never have been sent off. The way we have treated our Vietnam vets is a horror and an and an embarrassment to this mm-hmm. country. However, 
there are so many other tragedies <laughs> that there you can make movies about. There are a lot of other tragedies. Tragedy. Like, the amount of, like, we don't need, like, I think I constantly mix up Apocalypse Now with uh, Good Morning Vietnam because, like, <laughs> I can't, or, like, there's, yeah. like, another one, too, where, like, I can't t- tell the difference, even. Oh, speaking of that, um, it was really, this is a weird segue, um, so... Like you were saying, there are a lot of movies made about the Vietnam War. There are so many movies made about World War II, and they are always about the battles and the bloodshed, but they're never really about what it was like for the citizens. Like, you never really see a movie about the internment camps in the U.S. You never really see movies about... Mm-hmm. Um, you see movies focusing on, like, the, of course, white housewives whose husbands went off to war and then died because they were um, were drafted and then they died. Like, that's always the focus. We don't talk about the other people who were affected by this. And it was so it was really refreshing to finally watch a movie that was set in World War II that wasn't just about the battles and the bloodshed. Um, it was about... Um, everyday mean, people. The, it was about everyday people. It was about people... Um, who weren't middle who were lower than middle class because Guernsey at least I, I can't speak to Guernsey nowadays but um they did not paint it as the most affluent area in the world well I think they started off the war as middle class and then the yeah. war hit essentially yeah and then the war just and like their lives got destroyed I mean they were close to starving most of the time so it was it was it was weirdly refreshing to see what it was like for the citizens in the occupation. Mm-hmm. And this isn't a book like, although this is an amazing book, an amazing movie, it's heart-wrenching. I don't think I'll ever be able to actually read it again. Um, Sarah's Key. It's not like that, where it's like yeah. horrible. It's like, mm-hmm. there. what, I, what I'm what i so drawing is like, within like the tragedy of living in, your home is occupied by literal Nazis. Yeah. Um, just like the little like weird stories or like the little charming yeah. stories um and about like the secret romance that happens and yeah it was like hearing my grandfather who served in world war ii it was like hearing him tell stories of like oh yeah one time we were like pranking some of the other officers and you're like you you what and they're like yeah we were pulling pranks um we were uh like yeah so it was kind of like hearing that where it's just like Something like lighthearted happened during World War Two. Well, yeah, and just like how like this horrible co- crisis where like we've hit over half a million deaths here in the United States from COVID nineteen, mm-hmm. which is supposedly a disease that has a ninety eight percent ninety eight percent survival rate. Like we've hit over like five hundred thousand <laughs> oh um, deaths here in the United States just in less than a year. But at the same time, like, there's, like, weird little stuff, like, we, like, people joking about how every other person is making masks, or, like, all Mm -hmm. of a sudden people, like, were in the banana-baking phrase, which, by the way, people who, like, only learned how to bake banana bread during the, uh, quarantine, I'm really questioning you, what did you do with your old bananas? Like, maybe they just ate their bananas? I don't know. Okay, but there's always one or two that are, like, never eaten, that are always, like, turned brown. Like, are you telling me that people were just throwing away bananas? Like... I don't know, man. I love that trick. Like, that is such, like, an old-school trick to I do know. with, like, to not waste food. Like, mm-hmm. it blows my mind. Or, like, how all of a sudden people who weren't even vi- into video games were playing Animal Crossing because it felt like normal life. Like... Oh, yeah, I started playing Call of Duty during this time, and it has affirmed my decision 
that I made the right decision to not go into the military because I am very bad at this video game. I kind of, part of me would love to see like what an actual military person like actually thinks. Right, of Call I would of love Duty. to know what they think. There's this one mission where you literally do nothing. You're just in a city that is getting blown up by an atomic bomb, and you just watch it happen. You can't mm-hmm. do anything. All you can do is move around as everybody gets disintegrated. And yeah, so. Um, I have made the correct decision to not go into the military is what I learned. Um, but yes, back to um, this oh book. Gosh. So yeah, it was nice to see the lighthearted little stories. I mean, like years from now, we'll be telling people like stories from the pandemic and be like, oh yeah, I got really bored and got into Needlepoint. Oh my God, this one time I tried to buy toilet paper and I accidentally bought a bunch of... Um, accidentally bought a bunch of paper towels because, you know, for some reason you could get... Paper towels and not toilet pe- paper, even though they're they're pretty similar, guys. Well, that Same was, shape. like, I am... Um, so, I'm not a soda drinker. I never have been. That's not mm-hmm. to brag. I just, like, wasn't into it as a kid because I didn't like fizzy things and it just kind of hurt my nose as a kid. So, I never got into soda as an adult because I was like, all right, this thing is crack full of sugar. I'm not addicted to it. So why get addicted to another unhealthy thing when I'm already obsessed with cake? Uh, <laughs> Truth. So, but except for like old fashioned root beer that's made with cane sugar. So it's like this, like, like there's like one or two brands that make like this old fashioned root beer. And I just remember like stockpiling for some reason on old-fashioned root beer even though yeah, like you're just like i want to have nice things well it was like i only had a root beer like normally i would only have like a root beer like maybe like once or twice a year not like consciously but just like mm-hmm. because it never really comes up for me because it's not my thing like yeah but all of a sudden i just needed to drink root beer and i was like having these like root beer floats like every other oh. day like that's how I feel about, like, hot chocolate. Like, I normally don't really drink hot chocolate, like, when I'm home. Like, maybe if I'm out and I'm, like, cold is, like, a little treat. But, like, I had the same thing happen to me, too. Where I was just like, you know what I want? I want some hot chocolate because because this is hard and, and I need something nice. Yeah, and it's, like, they're, like, just weird stuff where it's just, like, even in the moment I was, like, I didn't, like, I don't need this much root beer. Like, I don't, right? I'm not really, in, I'm not really into root beer. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I don't drink root beer that much. Why did I get this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although, like again, like of the sodas, like it's my favorite. It's like that and black cherry and like old fashioned black cherry are my favorite. But I'm like not like mm-hmm. gonna go out and like <laughs> yeah, get it. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's just like yeah. There's gonna be all of this, but oh, okay. So I have it. All right, so actually, um, for those of you that don't know, I'm, like, an avid fidgeter. Like, I'm constantly moving. The fact that, like, I you don't hear, like, a bunch of things in the background is always amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just flipped, I was just flipping through the pages of the book, and I came on to the animal lover. So, like, it was just an essay, but an animal lover. Um, and they basically, they put all of the dogs, they basically put all of everyone in the animal shelter all of the animals in the animal shelter to sleep so they could save on medical supplies oh my god yeah wow and That's sad because and like it's at like the like the quote that like just wrenches your heart is it took two days to kill all the animals that's all i want to say put it in your book because they mm. essentially like 
Julie decides to be like, you know what? This is like such a unique aspect of like English history. So, all right. Part of the plot is that Julie decides to write a book about the Guernsey occupation because it's so unique and most of the country was like not occupied. It's like they have several museums dedicated to this Mm -hmm. in Guernsey, as I have learned. And now we're planning a trip there at some point. Which is funny because it's a tiny island. Right? It's crazy. Yeah. And, like, there are definitely some of the... There are definitely, like, some people, like, as a part of Guernsey who are, like, get out of my home. Like, no. Like, stop gawking at us. (laughs) And there are some people who are, like, I need to tell you this story. And so, like, all of these, like, letters, not just, like, from everyone, including, like, the literary society. And, like, what's kind of beautiful as I'm, like, Mm. like... For example, like uh, Colleen and I are part of like a craft, an online craft group now, which like yes. never met. Like, yeah, like it's so funny. We just keep finding it's really funny because it started off with like us and like a couple other friends from college, and then like some of my friends from like high school started picking up crafts. And I was like, hey, do you want me to add you to this group? They're like, yeah, sure. And then other people are like, hey, can I add my friend to this group? I'm like, sure, the more the merrier. So we literally just share like our different crafts with each other like our knitting our watercolors our um nail painting nail Nail painting is our new thing sometimes makeup tips like it's a it's a fascinating a lot of cooking a lot of baking like it's just it's now like all-encompassing of all hobbies but it's just one of those things where it's like oh we're probably this is probably gonna last for a little bit like yeah it's gonna i feel like it's just gonna keep lasting because like most it's made up of people who were crafty before and now we're just super crafty now yeah uh it's just like yeah so it's like it's beautiful to see like the literary potato like the literary society like keeps on going um and then Mm -hmm. also okay so we kind of talked upon that net like we so i think it's interesting like the parallel between like this and austin is austin like decides to completely ignore the historical aspect whereas Mm -hmm. like this book definitely focuses on it however ways in that it definitely reflects Austin's writing is like kind of like it's very witty in its humor it is very um the movie was definitely very witty I mean it was very British mm-hmm. in its humor so it's very witty um you have to pay attention to this movie like this or this wasn't a movie where I could be like doing something else like working doing work and then watching it at the same time because I felt like I had to keep paying attention because the dialogue kept coming mm-hmm um, it also, I think another parallel to Jane Austen is, I mean, you have the friendship, um, you have the friendship between Elizabeth and Jane, who is the daughter of one of the women who ends up in the literary society, and they were best friends, so she looked, um, so she was like another daughter, like a sister to this woman, to this, um girl so it's kind of like a familiar relationship it doesn't really bring up um classism that much or I guess it kind of does so basically what happens is this girl Elizabeth she comes to Guernsey um she comes to Guernsey right before the occupation and she goes because her friend Jane is pregnant and she wanted to be there for the baby Jane dies and so does the baby so then um, and then Elizabeth just ends up stuck there. Like, she can't really get out because the Germans are invading. Um, and she is very feisty, to a fault. Like, this woman has no sense of self-preservation at all. Um, 
So she gets sassy with some of the German soldiers, and everybody's like, you need to shut up. You're going to get yourself killed. And she doesn't. And then she becomes friends with, and she becomes friends with the people in the town, and they start their literary society, and then um, she has a romance with one of the soldiers, and it, that was something that was brought up, and I think that's probably the closest that they come to the class distinction between, um, in, like, um, because you have the, you know, the people who lived there first, um, the actual, like, townspeople, and then you have the Nazi soldiers, and there was, I mean, there's a huge difference between how the Nazi soldiers were treated, treated themselves, and how they treated the townspeople. And, like, the, so the soldier that she ends up befriending, he, like, renounces, like, the state of, like, Nazi Germany, and, like, there's actually this whole speech of, like, how he befriends, like, Dossie Adams, who is our male. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's all, and, like, he talks about just, like, I ended up here. Like, yeah. And that's, I think that's a narrative that we forget about, is that not every German soldier really believed in the cause. Some of them just got mm-hmm. drafted and just ended up in there. Yeah. There were many who were definitely, like, brainwashed and totally believed oh, in yeah, the cause. Oh, yeah, 100%. And, like, that was definitely the bulk of them. Yeah. Don't However, like, this was, like, this was someone who clearly, like, resented, like, what, essentially, the mm-hmm. Hitler youth taught him. Yes. Um, and, like, he, like, befriends him, and he's like, this is awful, and, like, they actually have a daughter, they, like, they have a daughter together, and, like, they want mm-hmm. to settle down on Guernsey forever. However, yep. their romance is found out. He is sent off, and she is yep. also sent off after the birth of her daughter, fortunately. Yeah. Fortunately, the kid was not... Yeah, Don't, like the Fortunately, kid. Essentially, the kid was there. That was one, okay. Maybe you can clear this up to, sure. to me because that was one thing in the movie that I did not understand at all. They, they did not really establish. I feel like because it was based off of uh, a book that was made up of letters, they kind of took for granted the timeline of some things because they were explaining about how um, Elizabeth has found out by some of the people that she's pregnant, and they're um, by some of the people in the the society and they tell her like you have to stop like you're you're both gonna get in trouble and she's like well I don't want to and I'm pregnant so I can't um and then that night is when in the movie at least that night is when the um the soldier is discovered because he comes back late and then they ship him off and then the ship gets torpedoed so he died and there's like a kind of Lady Catherine-esque type of confrontation with Elizabeth where it's like you can't do this. Only, unlike Lady Catherine, the stakes were a lot higher, because, like, she could have been murdered, which she was eventually. Um, yeah, so maybe you can just clear up the timeline. So, like, um, the the Germans, the, the good soldier gets sent off, and then he dies. And then when, and then, like, how many, how many years after is, like, their daughter Kit born, and then Elizabeth gets arrested? It is a little bit blurry, but, okay. like, it's not important exactly what happened to it. Basically, he was sent He was sent off, and, like, he mm-hmm. was sent off while she was pregnant. Okay, yeah, she, he was sent off while she was pregnant, and then she and, had the baby, and then she gets caught trying to help one of the, what are they called, um, Todd soldiers? Todd it? I don't know how to pronounce this word. Soldiers, which were basically... It was basically slave labor. They were Jewish. They were prisoners of war, mostly Jewish. Yeah. 
Um, um, obviously, ro- potentially Roma. They don't. I think they don't really yeah. clear it up. You know, the Nazis, they just hated anybody that wasn't white, basically. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, but in the movie, at least, they were taught, um, taught workers, which were basically slave labor that they brought over from Russia to do, uh, to build the outposts and stuff in town. Um, and so one of them runs away, and it was like a young, a young boy runs away, and Elizabeth finds him, and he's sick, so she's trying to get him medical supplies, and she brings her daughter to Dossie's house, and leaves her with him, and she's like, I'll be back, like, I, I'll be back as soon as possible, and I kept looking at this child, I was like, how old is this child? Because the child had, like, very long, full head of hair, and I was like, there's no way this child was just born. Oh, so I, I think could it's not like, figure out in my brain, like, was this a couple of years after the father was killed? So I believe the occupation was, like, um, I want to say it was, like, three years that they were occupied. I know, but that was my question. Was, I was like, when did she get taken? Because also, I mean, one of the main things is, after the war is over, people are getting sent back every day. So that would be another question. If she had been captured and arrested, or not captured, but, like, arrested and then taken away, then, like, there would have been a better, more of a chance if it was, like, right before the war ended that she would have been alive. But again, she has no sense of, the girl has no sense of self-preservation. Like, I admire her, her how noble she is and um, how, how much she wants justice, but she does not think through things. Oh, no, that's her, that's her fatal flaw. <laughs> that's uh, literally like, her fatal flaw. <laughs> Yeah, so it actually turns out that, like, it literally follows her to the grade. She gets sent mm-hmm. off to um, the concentration camps. I believe she ends up at Buchenwald in Auschwitz, and she befriends yeah. a French-Jewish woman mm-hmm. um, who she actually, they actually help escape, but I believe Elizabeth dies. Like, she's, like, shot oh, down when she's escaping. Yeah, okay, so what happens in the movie, they make Elizabeth a moron. Um, so, yeah, so she gets in trouble because some guy in town was just, like, reporting on people. You know, snitches get stitches. Nobody likes a tattler, especially when it's this high stakes. So this one guy in town was literally just ratting people out to the Nazis, and he rats out Elizabeth, and then she gets caught helping the escaped worker, and so the worker gets shot, and he's dead. Um, and then they arrest Elizabeth, and... So she got in trouble for helping someone, and then she, in the movie, she gets sent to one of the, to that camp, and she saw a guard beating a little girl, so she took the guard's, like, um, nightstick, baton, whatever it is, and she started hitting the guard with it, and then she got shot. Oh. Yeah, and it, no, it, it, they... and, and it was just one of those things where it's like, I understand the impulse, but you were so outnumbered, and it, like it would have made more sense if in the movie she had tried to escape. That I could have understood because, like, that at least shows, like, okay, you planned this and it just didn't go well. But this was like you were impulsive and you forgot you had a daughter who was being raised without a father and now without a mother too. Yeah, actually, the no, she like befriends a woman named Remy, and it's funny mm-hmm. because yeah. so she's she's a French Jewish woman named Remy, and like she tells Remy all about like Guernsey and Kit and her boyfriends, mm-hmm. um, and like basically Remy like comes and like they want Remy to like stay at 
currency, and it's it's charming in like the let in the um in the letters because like they don't they don't put down Remy for being Jewish or like anything, mm. but they put her down for. She's like, you know what? She's being really nice, even for being French. Like, yeah. because English and like England and French just have to make fun of each other. Um, Look, so th- yeah, because France is the Jersey of Europe. Also, is like this. France is like crazy, like xenophobic. Like it's like yes. scary. Well, I mean, all of Europe is pretty xenophobic, but yeah, France is particularly bad. France is very out loud about it. So, like, no, it's because it's all about like the reason why like this like action. It's funny that like they did that in the movie, which is why I think the book is so much better. Is because in the yeah. book, it's all about the little stories like that people tell each other, and like mm-hmm. a lot of the plot like between the people as far as like the romances go and like what exactly happens kind of happens through miscommunications between people which is like very much a technique that Austin used like where Mm, mm -hmm. most of it was again was like about miscommunications and there actually is this like giant Lady Catherine moment where this like very like uptight woman on Guernsey writes to um Juliet like oh you should know that that daughter is a bastard of like a, so a, in the um, movie that woman is the yeah. innkeeper they use the nosy innkeeper trope which is honestly a trope that i think should be used more often where like you have like the innkeeper who's just like i have a key to your room so i'm gonna go through your stuff what are you up to while you're on your typewriter late at night it's a giant letter like it is a giant letter being like you should not associate yourselves with these people like they're improper how oh like they're raising God. a bas- the bastard child of a nazi like hashtag lady catherine and like basically and like i think like juliet knows like that like there is just this little girl but she doesn't know like the full story like like she knows mm-hmm. i think that it's like elizabeth's daughter but she doesn't yeah. really know the full story and that's when it's just like dossie adams like write this like letter that's just like how dare we like Mm-hmm. So I think there's, like, a lot of, and basically, like, I feel like Jane Austen used the technique a lot where, like, a lot of the emotional outpouring happens through letters in this entire yes. book, I obviously, mean, like, happens I mean, through letters. I mean, in the book, that's literally what it is. Yeah, and, like, there's this, like, thing where I guess, like, Dossie backs off because he thinks that, like, there's just this incredible moment to, so, like, just like harking back to Pride and Prejudice a little bit because that is kind of our focus of the season mm-hmm. is like there's this incredible moment where Dossie like decides to back off from like flirting with Juliet because like oh well, like she's gonna go back and like marry the American boyfriends mm-hmm. and like oh cause in the m- movie then, the American boyfriend just shows up and is like hey I haven't oh, yeah, heard no, from he you from that. literally weeks oh okay I wasn't yeah. sure if that happened in the book yeah he just shows up and he's like hey I haven't heard and she's like what are you doing here he's like I literally haven't heard from you in weeks I wanted to make sure you were still alive mhm yeah, but, like, she basically, like, Juliet, like, barges into Dossie's, like, pig barn is just basically, like, will you marry me? And then, like, he's, Aww. like, startled and, like, says yes. And, like, Aww. it's all revealed through, um, it's a little bit of a hark to to Miss Marple as well. And, like, they're very overt about the fact because it's through, um, one of the main characters, Zola, happens through, like, she actually writes just down like I got this completely wrong like (laughs) like she's a terrible (laughs) detective yeah like you read it through her detective notes I mean I mean like that's a mood like I remember after I read like my first Nancy Drew novel I was just like 
Guess who's solving this mystery here, boys? Don't you worry, I'll find that missing, um, eraser. Or the missing notebook! I will find it! And then you're like, oh, it was actually in the exact opposite part of where I found it. I think that is a trope with, like, a lot of mystery novels, is the person who's the quote-unquote detective. Like, is actually an idiot. It's actually terrible at being the detective. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so I think it's just, it's, like, what I love about it is, like, a lot of the story is told through these, like, I feel like I've said this seven times, but it's told through these, like, little stories that, like, are about people's relationships with each is other. Is it about little stories? What? <laughs> I'm sorry, we've been talking about it a lot. Well, no, it's just... Like I think this is like Austin would love this, and Austin I believe oh, yeah. tried her hand at a an epistolary novel and just like that's she didn't finish love, it. Um, that's love and all friendship. Of love right? and friendship. Yep. Yeah. So it definitely like harks on and believes in like evolves about this. I haven't read um, Marianne Schaefer and Annie Barrow's like other not other works, but I would not mm-hmm. be surprised or like I haven't really like seen interviews with them, but I would not be surprised if they were Austin Knights just based on this novel. And I think this mm-hmm. is actually showing what a modern interpretation could be of Austin, where it doesn't just have to be, like, the Bridget Jones, where it's like, Mm -hmm. I want to find love and romance, because Juliet Juliet and Elizabeth find their happiness. Elizabeth, unfortunately, has a tragic ending, which never has to happens in Austin. Mm -hmm. But, like, Juliet makes her own happiness. She's like, I'm done with city life. I want to escape this. And, like, so she kind of takes this, like, like unconventional path and like there yeah. is love and romance and it's not necessarily like adventure I'm gonna go slay a dragon <laughs> yeah that's true that's true it's just like I wanna go live a quiet life mm-hmm. but like a life with people yes so if you're like if you're still listening to us and like you're not really like sure about Austin or like you're not really sure about this I think this is a really good gateway into it and mm-hmm. it's yeah I agree with that because the novel is written like Yes, it takes place in 1945. It was written in 2007. Like, it's not... Like, the language is not that difficult. There's a few definitely where, like, clearly the author is writing in dialect um, because Mm -hmm. they can't spell well. But it's not, like, completely hard to understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also feel like Juliet finds her own happiness just when she finds her people. Like, I feel like she... When she was in the city, she kept trying to be a person she's not, or she, like, thought she was, like, oh, I'm just an introvert, like, I don't have many friends, I'm in, um, because I'm in the city, and, like, I like to be home, like, I think she said at the beginning, she's, like, writing is the perfect job, you always, you get to stay indoors, and you always have a cup of tea near you, um, which, honestly, goals, um, so British, <laughs> yeah, that is so British, um, but then later in the movie, I mean, she joins a whole book club and she becomes friends with everybody in the town, basically. And so I'd say her finding her own happiness doesn't just have to do with love. It also has to do with finding people who just get you. You know, it's like the difference between like when you're in high school or whatever and you're like, oh, I don't have a lot of friends in high school, blah, 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 blah. And then you go off to college or if you didn't go to college, you just go off into the real world and you find your own people who just get you. Also, we often see the kind of chosen family trope often with a lot of LGBTQ kind oh, of people. I, I am trash for a chosen family trope. Yeah. It is my this, favorite trope of all times. It's, ooh, does it trump the haters to lovers? Ooh, yes, it does. Ooh, wow. I yeah. am trash for the found family. Like, I, 
even if I know exactly what's gonna happen, like, my husband can attest to this if I'm watching something, I'm just like, their families are gone, but they found each other. That's so beautiful. Yeah, and I think we see it a lot with, like, kind of, like, the outcast as it, like, pertains to the LGBTQ community, so I think this Mm -hmm. is, like, kind of an interesting interpretation of it that isn't LGBTQ. Granted, this was written during a time when LGBTQ, like, was not really in the mainstream as much as it is today. And I think Netflix kind of tried to remedy that because they said that, like, her publicist Oh, he's gay gay in the book, too. Yeah. Oh, Okay. Uh, but yeah, um, I think that's something we have to think about. I was just listening to um, Gilmore Guys, which we, they bring this up a lot because Gilmore Girls was set like in this time period where, like, as early as the two thousands, you didn't have a lot of LGBTQ plus representation, or if you did, it it wasn't very well, like, good. Yeah, like they partake, like they try to make Michelle straight, kind of, and it's just like I think I think that um, they I, give him a lot of like queer man stereotypes. I feel like they were just like Michelle is Michelle, and then um, because I think my theory is Amy Sherman Palladino really wanted to have Michelle be allowed to be gay, uh-huh. but the studio wouldn't let them because this is a this is an issue that comes that came up a lot. I think during those time periods. This is just a theory. It's not uh, confirmed, but that's my theory is that she wanted a character like Michelle and a character like Taylor as well to be allowed to be gay characters because, I mean, even in The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, she doesn't really care about that. Uh She has, like, everybody... Like, um, she doesn't have the same restrictions with, like, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel or um, even, I think, a little bit in Bunheads, they kind of hint at it as well. But so I think they were supposed to be queer characters, but they just weren't allowed to explicitly say that. Yeah. Whereas in this book, which by the way, queer char- like queer people have existed for all of time. In case like, you forgot, multi- yes, people with different skin tones and queer people have existed for mm-hmm. all of time. <laughs> in case you forgot about that, and, um, yeah, I feel that way when I watch like. Any romantic comedies um, after the Hayes Code? Do you know what the Hayes Code is? Yeah. Like, okay. For those of you who don't know, the Hayes Code is basically why we have terrible representation of women in Hollywood. It was like this before, like nineteen before film was allowed to be very avant garde. Actually, like the first lesbian kiss happened in like nineteen twenty, like mm-hmm. nineteen twenty seven or something. And mm-hmm. apparently, that was a really good movie. Like, yeah, yeah. A lot, honestly, a lot of the old movies were very forward thinking before the Hayes Code. And then there was a lot of like, but then the Hayes Code just tried to make movies like crazy conservative which is why like you have like basically the only things that were available were kind of like the hunky dory like musical romance which by the way yes i love i love those movies they do have a place in the world like they don't need to be all over the place well also well it's more like and that's why they were they they stopped becoming popular was because that's all people had yeah and as soon as there were other options like they kind of wanted to run away from it which I, I can't mm-hmm. blame them because I I think they're beautiful and they're great, but also you need to have other stories. You need to have a variety yeah. of things in every yeah. yeah. It's so basically the Hayes Code. I actually just um, I found an article about it on NPR. If anybody is interested for further reading, um, so the NPR uh, so NPR says this is like the anniversary of the Hayes Code, like from forty years ago, basically. Um, so more, for more than three decades, the code applied rigid moral scrutiny to films banning everything from interracial dating to lustful kissing. 
And it died officially in 1968, but in practice, it was always taking hits. So that's part of the reason why we only see, like, two white people kissing, like, peck, like doing a peck on the cheek in movies still, because that's just a tradition that was founded. Apparently, it was started by a um, Jesuit priest and a Catholic publisher, and it was designed as a, quote, code regulating the moral content of feature films designed so that Hollywood could police itself and thus avoid or minimize outside censorship. There was also a lot of flack because many... Um there were a bunch of these like mixed race actors, like wonderful actors who in black and white, like and because their skin because yes, like they were black, but also their skin was like a lighter tone through mm-hmm. the black and white film, like you couldn't like quote unquote people couldn't tell if they yeah. were white or black, which caused there was ish, one which actress, killed careers. Yeah. There was one actress who um was black but you couldn't tell on the film so she just kept saying oh I just have a very dark tan and people just bought it for years so she was actually able to build a career which it's just fascinating my dad told me that once it was just fascinating to learn about so the history of the American film industry and how it went from just being like people making movies movies to these this just like corrupt system is really fascinating yeah I think so like some of the notable ones um from like particularly that time was I believe Frida Washington was her name so Frida Washington was someone who was like born of mixed race but also like was white passing as well as Merle Oberon was also like white passing but quote-unquote exotic look like I hate that word like now like exotic looking yeah but yes this book actually like it does have a gay character yes it could have more representation it mm-hmm. definitely could, and it could explicitly yeah. show. However, like, this is a book about World War II that it does mention a gay character, so we do have to give a little nod. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. She tried. So, I guess the big question is, do you think... So, we've talked about the... So, Colleen, we've talked about this book in depth. Do you yes. think this is Jane Austen approved, even though it is not I a direct adaptation? Be- I think it would be Jane Austen approved because it has a lot of the elements that she puts into her books. Um, I wouldn't call, again, I wouldn't call this a retelling of Jane Austen. I would call it more of a deconstruction for all the reasons that we talked about because, I mean, it has parallel stories of two women, but they are in two completely different timelines. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're two basically completely different stories, but somehow interconnected. Um, it does not have the hate to love trope, which made me a little sad. Because um, so I mean, not, like, you have a character named Dossie. It's, a clear, it's a very clear nod. <laughs> yeah, it's a very clear nod to Jane Austen, but I'm just like, why isn't he a jerk? Well, it's more that he doesn't understand social like constructs, I think, because That's he's just true. like, he's like, I'm a pig farmer. And I like this author. Mm, that's true. Okay, then maybe. And he's maybe very I take that quiet back. into himself. And I like, I don't know how they showed it in the movie, but like he's very expressive. It's like I think like they write like from my like in the book they write about how like awkward he is in person, but also like Aww. his letters are beautifully written. Oh, see, in the movie they just make him charming, just all around, and I'm like. He's supposed to be a little awkward in person. How am I supposed to buy that you're supposed to be based off of Darcy? Like, that's, yeah, like, that's the thing, is Darcy is either, like, a a pompous jerk or the guy who just doesn't know how to be around people. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Mark Darcy and Bridget Jones. Yes, exactly. Where yes. you're just like, what? Do, do you know how to how to people? He doesn't. Um, he doesn't. Okay. I also think this is something that Jane Austen would approve of. I don't know if mm-hmm. she would see it as like directly related to her work, but I think this is like the modern evolution of what Jane Austen, like a Jane mm-hmm. Austen type novel, could do. Yes. And I think this is a way to kind of bring kind of politics and history into the everyday and i mean yes. honestly this is going to sound weird america the american girl doll books also do a great job of this where they tell yes. stories of like everyday people like mm-hmm. living through these times and like they still have like the relationships and like they're still looking for love while they're going through this and like i yeah. like the fact that it has that kind of aspect while acknowledging like yes this was going on and it was impacting my life so mm-hmm. severely I also wonder how much of Jane Austen's, like, life was actually impacted by the politics. Because, I mean, like, politics impacts everybody. But, I mean, I was watching the show Dairy Girls, which is set in um, Northern Ireland, Londonderry, Ireland, in the 1990s when uh, tensions were heating up with the IRA versus versus, um, England and um, one of the things is, like, their lives are so normal. And then, like, something happens casually where, like, um, there were a lot of bombings that were, there were like, um, that's where Irish car bombs uh, come from. That's where that name comes from. And there's a lot of, like, um, the, the IRA is basically a terrorist organization, blah, 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 blah. Um, if Irish people listen to this, they're going to hate me. Anyway, um, so it's it's really interesting to watch the show because their lives seem so normal and then there's like a huge shootout that happens on TV and everything was going fine that day. So I wonder like on what level was Jane Austen's everyday life impacted by what was happening with the political sphere of England? Well, I mean, that's kind of like everything. Like I remember like... Like, I specifically remember the day that Osama bin Laden was caught by the Navy Mm -hmm. SEALs. Like, was caught and, like, was killed by the Navy SEALs. And it was just, Mm -hmm. like, a normal day. Yep. It was, like, I mean, like, when the insurrection happened just a couple of weeks ago, it was a completely normal day. I remember I was, like, doing something for work, and then I got, like, a notification on my phone about what happened. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those, like, because, again, like... I like take news breaks and I take and I try to take media breaks just because like it's a mm-hmm. lot. Yeah. And if you didn't if you were like taking like a media break, like y- you could have mm-hmm. not known that it had happened. Yeah. So, but that's I think crazy. but it, but it's still impacted. Like yeah, it's, it's still, still impacted impactful. everyone's everyday life. Yeah, so that's what I wonder is uh, how much of it also I mean, remember the privilege that Jane Austen had where she was one in the wealthier class, like she wasn't an everyday person. Mm-hmm. So, like, how much of it really impact, impacted like her class of people? I guess, for lack of a better way to put it. Well, I think it did because remember her, her potential future. What was supposed to be her brother-in-law passed away because he was sent on an oh, unnecessary true. mission and trip, and yeah. her sister never married because of it, like, mm-hmm. because it was That's she true. was truly in love. As well as, like, she writes about the soldiers being stationed everywhere, and, like, what were the soldiers doing, like, if they weren't, like, getting prepared to be shipped off? I don't know why, like, when I read it, I just imagined it as, like, this fictitious world because it just seemed so foreign to me, but now we're doing all this research and stuff on it, so... 
It's like, I just realized that, like, the soldiers, as in, like, Wickham and the soldiers that Lydia and Kitty keep flirting with, were, like, soldiers who were going off to the, um, the War of 1812, or the, what do we call them, the, the Napoleonic, Napoleonic Wars. Wars. Yeah, the Napoleonic Wars. Um, so I, I just, like, realized, I'm like, oh, so, like... So politics did, in a way, impact Jane Austen's life, um, and therefore her books. I mean, granted, this is much more small-scale than, like, you know, being um, occupied by Germany. Mm-hmm. Well, during- and then she was alive during the French Revolution, which, like, mm-hmm. um, considering that, like, everything is based on the landed gentry and aristocracy, like, even though it wasn't happening directly to her, mm-hmm. um, actually, like, one of her cousins like, was a uh, countess, and then her yeah. husband was murdered, as we yep. kind of talked a little bit about in um, Becoming Jane. Becoming Jane. Where they went. Where they, all they did was whisper. Uh, yeah, I, I and, can totally see why somebody wouldn't like that movie and felt like nothing happened, because that was ridiculous. The whispering I was not a big fan of. Granted, I'm an yeah. I'm clearly a loud American, so take that with a grain of salt if you my our yeah. British audience. Um mm. but yeah, they like like that like shook up Europe because it was just yeah. like is the is all aristocracy gonna crumble now? And yes. so but Jane Austen basically like she never overtly mentioned the politics, but they were there. Like, she yeah, more talked it about... Yeah, like, thinly veiled references. Well, and, like, she talks more about the day-to-day politics of, like, how the marriage system works and, like, was mm-hmm. economic towards people. Just, like, okay, yeah. there are so many things that you could talk about when it comes to, like, say, World War Two. Yeah. And the Guernsey Literary Paper the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society specifically just looks at the occupation of Guernsey. Mm-hmm. They talked a little, like, not so much They talk, and about the London bombings. Meanwhile, they're not yeah. talking about the Pacific Front. They're not talking about yeah. what's happening on the continent of Europe. Yeah, they're not exactly. talking about America at all, even, yeah. really. And it's, it's like, I mean, why would you? Because it didn't impact your specific, your daily life. And that's mm-hmm. what the whole book is about. Yes. So. I think Jane Austen would really like this book, actually. Yeah. I agree with you that I think, like, she would definitely enjoy, enjoy this. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, let's have fun. Do we have our... Do, is there the most annoying character, the Lydia or the Kitty? Ooh. Um, I mean, I definitely say in the movie, the innkeeper, the one who... Um, starts pontificating and... Um, shaming the people in the literary society, I'd say definitely mm-hmm. that person was the most annoying character. Um, even if, like, I love that trope of the nosy innkeeper who sticks their nose when it doesn't belong, because it's just really funny to watch, but it was also, yeah, but then it just re- turned into religious fanatic judging other people. I was like, oh, okay, we're going there. I think basically it's the same character. I am trying to pull up the letter. I thought I flagged it down in my book. Apparently I didn't. Oh, um, no. All of the people that are into books, you can totally flag me down. That is definitely my fault. Where she basically wrote the letter just being like, how dare you? Yeah, the same character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Then I want to do our The Most Clueless award for this one. Because I think this one has a lot of people who are, like, clueless. Because there's two in my brain that are fighting for each other. So who do you think is the most clueless in this book? I feel like in the movie, I feel like Juliet is the most clueless. Um... Because, I mean, she's 
um, in the movie several times, she very clearly makes people upset, prying into what is probably the most traumatic time period of their life. I mean, mm-hmm. she's talking to, I forget what the character's name is, the one um, who um, was like a mother to Elizabeth. I forget what her name is. Do you recall? It's not Azola. It's another one. No, it's the one. other, um, the other one. Because um, anyway, so she's like prying into the. Well, why do you? Um, she doesn't explicitly ask like, why do you think Jane died or anything like that? But she just starts prying. She's like, well, who's Kit's father? Why can't I write a book about this? Can you tell me more about um, the daughter that you lost in and um how you were basically starving for years and um she also does the same thing to Dossie in the movie as well where she's like hey can you tell me more about elizabeth hey why'd you beat up that guy oh he reported her why what did she do tell me more about this traumatic time period in her life yeah especially like besides like besides that being like the most traumatic point of your life like Juliet is literally the definition of, like, a big-time author who worked yeah. for, like, like a newspaper who could mm-hmm. totally exploit the story. Yeah, and exactly. And, like, she definitely comes across as that at, se- at several points in the movie. Like, um, in the movie, um, the actress's performance is very, is very nice. It's very kind. Um, and she shows that she means well. But if any... They these people don't know her. They don't know that she's just asking because she's um, curious and not if she's gonna exploit them or anything like that. I also think she's the most clueless because of when she breaks it off with Mark, her um, fiance, the American. Mm-hmm. Um, because when she breaks off the engagement, they're out to dinner, and he's just like, "You you good? Um, are you?" Are you, like, having second thoughts or anything? Like, they were about to toast their engagement, and she just gives the ring back. And he's just like, what? And and, and he's like, what? I don't understand. Like, did you change your mind? Like, oh, this never... And then he says, like, oh, this never would have happened if I had let you go away for so long. I should have come with you. And then she says, I think I would have found myself here sooner or later, even if I'd gone nowhere. And it was just like, wow. Let him down easy, Juliet. It was brutal. It was brutal to watch. All right, so I was able to actually find the name of the person who I despise. I believe it was Mrs. Clara Saucy. Is actually the person who wrote. Is the person who wrote the big letter that was kind of our Mm. Lady Catherine moment. Mm -hmm. I would argue also too. I mean, yes, I think Juliet is very clueless. Clueless. But I think the other person who is clueless is is Isola, because even though Isola, oh yeah, Isola is completely clueless. She, like she holds a lot of like key knowledge, but yeah. like she's also definitely like in the clouds. Like they call her the town witch because she's very into like <laughs> herbal medicine stuff. Oh my god! And she thinks that she's Miss Marvel because she loves Miss Marvel and she's terrible at being it. She would totally so, be that person who's super into essential oils. Well, I mean, I guess like she boils like herbs and stuff so she she is ah, like so she is she was the original essential oils person except she's not a part of a multi-level marketing scheme trying to well, like yes. well yes that's a she at least grows the herbs like yeah um yeah. but yeah i'd agree with that she she's probably the most clueless yeah. she so, her and juliet are tied for most clueless colleen so colleen gave the gave like the true answer and i gave the charming answer yes <laughs> uh, <laughs> As per usual, Dawn is charming, and I am honest. I I don't... 
I feel very uncomfortable whenever you say, like, Dawn's the nice one, because I'm like, am I? Like, <laughs> uh, relative to me, sure. I don't, I feel very uncomfortable because I'm getting oh complimented God. and I don't know when, how to handle this. <laughs> one time, one time somebody, um, we had, like, just, we had gone to dinner with, like, our, like, one of our, our friend, like, couple friends, and, like, I had just met, like, the girlfriend, and we, like, became, like, pretty close friends, and she was talking to me, and she was like, I'm scared to tell, like, your husband about this, I'm like, why? She was like, well, because you're the nice one, and I started laughing, I was like, oh, honey, you are so confused, you, you don't really know me, do you? Well, that's, like... I just rem- well I remember kind of on the flip side like well yeah that's whenever people are like oh you're so sweet I'm like I am like, like am I though well I don't know because my heart like my humor is very like biting and sarcastic all right besides yeah. there's also this other you. story that I actually do want to put bullish on the like that I do kind of want the podcast where a friend of our like we were up for an audition and a chorus that I was in and like a friend of ours like auditioned and like she did a pretty good job I personally didn't because I get horrible anxiety when it comes to my singing like it's just a fact don't feel bad for me it's I've worked Mm -hmm. my way through it um I messed up but I wanted to compliment her because you compliment your friends after an audition and I was like oh like so and so um Sarah that's not her real name Sarah like great job and I just remember her laughing in my face (laughs) ha because and like I like cried a little bit because I was an awkward 18 year old and then she came up and she was just like oh no I was really I really just couldn't believe that you were giving me a real compliment because I thought I did horrible like yes you're supposed to say thanks you too but okay I guess laughing is cool as well I guess yeah I mean that's I think that's what happens when you put awkward 18 year olds together Uh, truth (laughs) that is a metaphor for college right there all right, is there anything that should be kept in the past? So our chamber pot, anything that should be kept in the past, Colleen? The Nazis. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so literally the Nazis, but also we'll keep the literary society, but leave the potato potato peel pie, please. Yes, potato peel pies. Yes. <laughs> All right, so that concludes this week. Colleen, anything to plug? Um, I still make YouTube videos of the Sassy Blonde Writer. Please subscribe. I would like to get monetized so I can make passive income and be lazy. Can you tell I'm great at um, (laughs) self-promotion? Also, we have a Patreon. (laughs) Please sign up. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the Austin and the A-Train. Please check us out. Our Patreon does have some cool features. We're thinking of actually adding a little bonus podcast to it. That could be a cool thing if you're still into it. Uh, Yeah, please. Also, please leave a review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and give us a rating because that definitely helps us out and also lets us know what you guys like, what you guys don't like. Five stars. I give us five stars in my completely unbiased opinion. I just I just want to hear what other people think. (laughs) All right. So you'll hear from us next week. Have a great day. Yeah. Bye. Bye.